In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis from all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. We journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution want to take a minute to thank our subscribers. Because of your support, we were able to make this podcast available to everyone. Our reporting and local journalism is because of subscriber support of our newspaper. If you are not a print or digital newspaper subscriber, join us. Go to AJC.com and sign up today. Thank you and continue to follow our reporting in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and online at AJC.com. And today we're joined by Mark Nisi, the AJC state government and elections reporter who's been covering this beat for years and knows all the ins and outs of Georgia's election system. And right now he is in the spotlight because it seems like, I I might be wrong, but it seems like more than a dozen different proposals, maybe two dozen different proposals have now been dropped. Some of them aren't going anywhere. Some of them have traction. Mark, what's the tally and what's the impetus behind all these bills? Actually, we're up to 70 or so now total. Um, but the number of that will actually move forward is much smaller and the number that have actually gotten hearings is smaller. But, you know, the big ones deal with absentee voter ID, mobile precincts, um, early voting hours, absentee voting requirements, um, you know, all these things that are the hottest topics in the Capitol for voting after last year's elections, including, um, you know, voting on Sunday, sold to the polls, um, events, limitations on those eliminating or limiting drop boxes. Um, You know, these things that we've been talking about for a while about new limitations and laws governing voting that might happen um, to both improve security, but also on the other side, from voting rights groups, they say they would limit access and create obstacles. Yeah, and to many, these are seen as a backlash to the Democratic victories, not just in November, but the sweep of the U.S. Senate seats in January. And polls that continue to show Republicans, uh, a significant number of Georgia Republicans believe in the unfounded conspiracy theories promoted by President Trump about about widespread voter pro- 
fraud, uh, which federal and state officials have repeatedly say are not true. That's right. I think um, on all sides, legislators are responding to what their constituents are saying and telling them. So they feel tremendous pressure to do something. You know, Republican legislators feel like they need to respond to the constituents who believe that there were things wrong with the election, even when there weren't. And on the other side, Democrats feel like they need to fight tooth and nail every proposal. Yeah. And so here's there's the rub, right? Um, one of the things that where there seems to be at least a potential for uh, maybe consensus isn't the word, but at least some sort of broader agreement is on ID for absentee ballots because the AJC poll that came out a few weeks ago showed a broad majority of Georgians support uh, some sort of ID verification for mail-in ballots. We've got state Republican leaders all on the same page on that one, which is not true for any other issues. Um, Democrats still oppose it. But um, is that something you see as the most likely um, provision to pass, major provision to pass? Absolutely. I think there's broad support for some sort of absentee ID, and there's a lot of skepticism about signature matching. So the logic here is, you know, if you say voters must fill in their driver's license number or state ID number, or if they don't have either of those two, require them to submit a copy of their photo ID, then that could replace signature matching and be a more um, accurate way of verifying voter identities. Now, whether there will be any bipartisan support or not remains up in the air. I haven't seen it happen yet, but I've heard from um, some Republican legislators who say, look, you know, this does seem to have support um, and they want to find a way to bridge that divide. But even without bipartisanship, that bill is very likely or some some version of that proposal is very likely to move forward and uh, reach Governor Kemp. And Republicans still have a pretty decent majority in the state House and a broad majority in the state Senate. Um, and in the test votes of that uh, over that of, of those measures in committees, they've all fallen on um, fall along party lines. So that there, that's a, at least a hint that it'll be a Republican majority bill and not a bipartisan one. But what else do you think? Um, could is most likely out of all these proposals, all these different issues, what's most likely to move forward? Well, the ones that are most likely are also the ones that are least exciting. But, you know, there's broad bipartisan support to open absentee ballots early to allow um, more time to process them and scan them and get results done earlier on election night. Nobody likes waiting for results days and days. And while you can't get rid of that, you can reduce the time frame a little bit by allowing those to be processed earlier. Um, I'm a little less cer certain about other proposals, like there's this idea supported by the Secretary of State's office to have a chief elections assistance officer, somebody who would come in and intervene in low-performing county election offices, kind of based on the school chief turnaround officer that we had a few years ago, except do it for elections. There's some uptake of that idea, but um, we'll see how much it'll move forward. Um, drop boxes are in trouble. I don't know whether they'll be banned altogether or just limited to inside early voting locations during early voting hours, which kind of defeats a lot of the point of having drop boxes. But um, that is one proposal. And I, I do think some limitations or requirements for absolutely 
pretty likely to move forward because there's a lot of suspicion about those. And the other one, earlier absentee ballot request deadlines. You know, currently you can request an absentee ballot in Georgia up until the Friday before election day, but that creates a problem because you probably won't get your absentee ballot in time if you wait that long to request it. So there are a lot of proposals to set an earlier deadline. Um, and on one hand, that would protect voters from requesting their absentee ballot so too late if they know there's a deadline. On the other hand, it does cut off the ability to request an absentee ballot at the last minute or close to the last minute, which can happen in the case of emergencies. You know, Governor Kemp, he um, had to quarantine because of COVID before the November general election, and he got a last minute absentee ballot. And then there are the the more controversial, more headline grabby proposals, but are less likely to go for. We're not saying they're not going to go forward, but the less likely that's ending at will absentee balloting. That is, um, you know, removing the secretary of states from authority over elections. There's a few there's proposals and talk about that in Republican circles about giving it to the state election board. Um, And there's other proposals that you're keeping an eye on, but that might not have the juice to actually pass. That's right. Um, You know, getting rid of at-will absentee voting and making it only available to people with disabilities or over 75 years old or with a proven illness or with a out-of-town commitment on election day. That bill did advance out of a subcommittee but wasn't heard in the full Senate Ethics Committee on Thursday. Um, And then you mentioned, you know, Speaker Ralston has talked about curtailing the Secretary of State's control over elections and maybe putting elections under some other body besides the Secretary of State's office. And, you know, um, I think Speaker David Ralston still wants that, but I haven't seen a bill. Out of all these bills, there's no bill that really does that yet. The closest thing to it would be this chief election assistance officer idea or something similar to that, which would... um, kind of maybe remove, there's another bill that would remove the Secretary of State's position as the chairman of the state election board and replace him with somebody appointed by the governor. But again, that doesn't remove his authority over managing elections statewide. Let's be honest and also cynical. All these bills that we're talking about will be dramatically rewritten. Um, They might pass one chamber and then get hauled up in another. But I was talking to a uh, high up Republican um, uh, just a few hours ago, who was just saying, look, you know, this is going to be bound for a conference committee the, the last week of the session. Um, and it could be just completely rewritten 30 minutes before the gavel, the gavel strikes down. So that it's so, it's super important to watch all this move, but it's also important to just keep in mind everything could change. And that's, that's one of the reasons why you're right in the middle right now of a day long hearing, um, for w- w- the most sweeping Republican proposals we've seen yet, and also the Republican pro- proposal we've seen with the most juice behind it. It comes from um, uh, Republican State Representative Barry Fleming, who also happens to chair a very important committee that's vetting these elections bills. And uh, as you wrote today, uh, it's one of the most significant pieces of uh, elections legislation yet drafted. That's right. And you might recall uh, Chairman Fleming was also the sponsor and the chairman who oversaw Georgia's change of its voting system from its all electronic voting system to one that prints out paper ballots. So, you know, he's been very involved in elections for years. And when you're a powerful legislator who's the chairman of a committee and also the sponsor of a bill, that bill has a pretty darn good chance of moving forward in some form. And that could happen as soon as 
the week of what would it be the week of February 22nd you know I, I expect a committee vote as soon as Monday the 22nd and then perhaps a floor vote in the house soon after that and then you know will this be the bill that moves forward this is the bill um, that includes it's like what 40 something pages long does a whole bunch of different things from absentee ID to drop boxes to early processing to poll watcher rules and Sunday voting limitations all in one big bill. And then we have these piecemeal bills um, also moving forward where you just deal with one topic at a time and see if it has an, enough support. Um, who knows what will actually prevail. Um, you know, there's also going to be a big bill coming out of the Senate side as well. Senator Mike Dugan, majority leader, has been preparing his bill for weeks that would encompass all of the things he wants to do. So we're going to end up with so many different proposals and um, lack, lack of clarity about <laughs> what will actually pass. But that's how legislating works. And that's why it's exciting to watch the debate and the process to see what actually reaches a vote and then gets approval. You know, the way things work here at the Capitol, um, almost always things don't even come to a vote unless they know that they're going to pass. Um, so that's why these committees and debates are important. And what is the reaction you've heard from voting rights advocates, Democrats, other critics, um, as, as you've seen this these proposals, and particularly Barry Fleming's proposal, um, come up? They're really shocked at the speed at which this is moving, especially this latest bill, um, just because, you know, it was introduced on Thursday and then it was brought into its first committee hearing Thursday afternoon and before it was even available online. You were able to get a paper copy from the House clerk's office, but, um, you know, they didn't know this bill was coming. They knew a lot of the things inside it were coming, but they felt um, kind of taken off guard on that. Um, and so that's one source of resistance, you know, just lack of transparency and a quick public process. But at the same time, um, perhaps they're bigger objections, I think, would be to the content of the bills. You know, voting rights groups are very concerned that pro that provisions that are supposed to increase security might actually decrease security. You know, does sending photo ID or a driver's license number through the mail actually secure your vote or does it expose you to identity theft if somebody sees election mail and then they know they can open it up and find out your driver's license number or personal information, for example. Um, so, you know, the voting rights groups are just concerned about any limitations that would make it harder to vote. That's been their refrain for years. And by definition, any restrictions on early voting hours, Sunday voting hours, requirements for ID, further verification of ballots, all of these things are new laws, new things that voters have to do to vote, and they do fall in this category of having some degree of restriction on voting access. So what are you watching looking forward in the next couple of days? And is there, do you think there's any hope that by the end of the session, uh, it's not a full, full scale battle over voting rights in Georgia? I don't have a whole lot of hope. I think we have to be realistic that, you know, both parties feel like they need to fight really hard to go 
far on these things. And while, you know, things like early processing of absentee ballots could potentially get some bipartisan support, it's hard to see the there being a lot of clarity on voter ID or voting hours or Sunday voting or greater chain of custody requirements for ballots or restrictions or greater access for poll watchers, you know, all these things just break down very quickly where everyone sees it through their lens. And so I don't think we'll have a whole lot of clarity, except for, you know, as you mentioned, I do think there will be some sort of photo or driver's license number ID requirement for absentee ballot requests. There does seem to be consensus among that, even though Democrats won't support it among the majority party. I think they have the votes already and the minority party um, might recognize that fact while not being entirely comfortable with it. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. I know I know it's going to be a busy couple of days for you. So hang in there. Okay, sure thing. Yeah, we'll have a lot of committee meetings, um, a lot of debate and discussion. And, you know, this is where the process happens. This is where the things get decided at this level. You know, the final votes will be the big news, but the actual flexibility, the changes that will determine how millions of people cast their ballots, that's what's happening right now before you reach the governor's signature. You got it. Well, thanks, Mark. Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, the Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word, AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.